So what we're going to do is uh, take a little time right now just again to reflect on this uh, capital sin of anger. And, and just first, I'd like to talk briefly about um, why we're doing this. Um, obviously, we don't want sin in our lives, but we do have our favorite sins. We all have areas in our life that we um, protect because we think we need those sins. If we, you know, we know that don't make sense, but the truth is, is we, we do have areas of sin in our life that I like to call we love them more than God. And so God is at war with sin. And that sin isn't out here somewhere. That sin's within us. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the Lord Jesus um, comes to us and when we're in silence and in prayer and in solitude, we start to find resistance within us. And there's a spiritual battle that happens within us. God has one goal in mind, right? And what is that one goal God has in mind? Holy communion, right? Think about it. This is the source and summit of our faith, the Holy Mass. The, the, the point of the Mass is God coming down from heaven to earth onto the altar. And then he comes down to do what? To just go into the tabernacle? No. The tabernacle is actually reservation for devotion and, and love and adoration of him to connect us back to the Eucharist. But the tabernacle is also reserved for those who are sick that can't come to church that we can take communion out to them um, in their homes in various places. So God wants holy communion with us. And sin keeps us from holy communion with God. And happiness and holy communion are inseparable. And I think sometimes we don't get that. We, we think about it, and we know rationally, theologically, philosophically, it makes sense. But when we get to the heart of it, when we experience that resistance in us, when the Lord's challenging us, or the Lamb of God is going to war within us against a particular area of sin, then that's where we start to find ourselves, you know, wanting to leave the chapel, right? Or you know, we avoid silence, avoid the scriptures, avoid prayer. Um, and the Lord is saying, don't be afraid. How many times he says that in the scriptures, doesn't he? Do not be afraid. He says it over and over and over. So I'd like you to understand that the root of all of the capital sins, the root of all the capital sins is fear. And we'll talk about that. But there's fear behind anger, envy, lust, gluttony, greed, and sloth. There's, in pride, there's anger, there's fear behind every one of the capital sins. And so the root, the root is fear. And remember what the Lord says in the scriptures in John's uh, epistle of John, the letters of John, I mean? What does he say? Perfect love casts out all fear, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. And so God wants to cast that fear out of our lives, so that we can enter into communion with him. And remember, to the degree I'm in communion with God, to that degree I'm going to commune with myself. And then to that degree I'm going to commune with others. So that's how it works. If To the degree I'm in communion with our Lord, to that degree I'll commune and embrace myself. And then to that degree I will commune and embrace my brother or sister and even my enemy, those around me. Because sometimes we are our worst enemy. And so if I can't love my enemy, it's probably because I can't love the parts of me I don't like or love. 
I don't love myself. And so the Lord's calling us all to this time of reflection. So I'd like you to think about detox. Why do I call on it detox? Because detox deals with, you know, when Jesus talks about sickness in Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 17. So Mark 2, 17, what does he say? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, right? But those who are sick do. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So detoxing involves an understanding that we are sick. We have spiritual illness, and we also have physical illnesses. And so, you know, I'm actually right now, I'm, I'm also doing, a, it's a 21-day uh, a physical body detox. I always do it during Lent, where you have this, uh, 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 there's actually, last year I did something similar to this in, at St. James, and we actually had 40 people go through the uh, physical dimension of that detox as well. It's kind of like a fast, if you will. So what, what you do is for, for 21 days, we have this detox, and there's some um, supplements and some shakes that you take, and then you basically just drink a lot of water, shakes, vegetables, fruits. Um, it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but holiness, purification isn't always fun. And so I would really like you to think about that. Again, that term detox and God's desire for communion with us. Remember, we're body and soul. So he wants communion not just with our souls, but with our bodies. Because we're body and soul. Okay? So this body detox I'm doing, I know a few people actually wanted to do it again. If you do want to do it, talk to me afterwards. Um, my brother, uh, Dr. Brian Boydover, he's a chiropractor, and he... Uh, he kind of works with us and kind of gets us on task with that and gets us the supplements. He, he, he orders those things. And he gets them at cost, so, you know, you get them for the cost. He's going to get them. So if you wanted to do that, just talk to me after or talk to him after. We could talk in the back. But it is a great way to enter into this fast because here's what happens physically speaking. This is what happens to us. Sometimes physical is easier to understand than the spiritual. So let's talk about the physical just a moment. There are organs in our body that actually are designed by God to eliminate toxins from our body, right? And so those organs um, are always working to empty from our bodies anything that's toxic in the physical sense. You know, all the things we use, the, the, the air we breathe, there's toxins in the air we're breathing, hairspray, some deodorant, toothpaste, the, the chlorine in our shower, all these things, you don't often realize it, but your body's bioaccumulating toxins. That means your body, your cellular, at the cellular level, you're collecting toxins in your body. And what happens, sickness is this. Sickness is one of two things, toxicity or deficiency. If you're sick, it's either because there's something that's been toxic in your body and cellularly it's expressing itself in the form of sickness, or there's a deficiency in certain nutrients that we're not getting. Our bodies need a certain amount of nutrients to express health. Like if I eat candy bars every day, all day, my body's probably not going to express health, will it? I love potato chips. I mean, that's why I said, man, I, I, you know, I'm doing this detox right now, it's like, I'm realizing how much I rely on food more than I should. <laughs> I, I use food not 
what I'm really realizing is I don't use food just to nutri- put nutrients into my body. I use food a lot of times to comfort myself. Because right now, I've been doing this since Ash Wednesday, basically just eating water, fruits, vegetables, a few shakes a day. I'm not hungry. But what I still miss is my Cheez-Its, my potato chips, pizza. The funeral lunch today had this amazing kibasi. I'm like, <sighs> I couldn't eat it, right? But that's good. That's spiritual exercise. It's, it's learning how to master my passions. And you really feel a lot of dignity when you can say no to those potato chips or whatever you fill in the blank for yourself. But sickness is one of two things often, toxicity or deficiency, meaning I'm toxic, I've have, I bioaccumulated enough toxins, now my body's expressing some form of disease or sickness or illness. Or I'm currently you know, deficient in those nutrients that I need. So each of the capital sins, I'd like you to think of just like the body bioaccumulates and collects toxins, each of the capital sins, anger, envy, lust, pride, gluttony, greed, and sloth or sloth, these capital sins are toxins that we accumulate not in our bodies but in our souls. But I would argue that those toxins of anger, envy, lust, gluttony, greed, pride, sloth, those, those toxins that are in our souls do affect our bodies. I mean, no one, you don't got to be a scientist or a doctor to know that, you know, when we stress our spiritual life, it's going to affect our physical life. It's going to affect our mind, our brain. It's going to affect our cells. Stress affects the body. Sin stresses the soul. If the soul's stressed, the body's going to be stressed, okay? So detox is not... You're not here to just collect some information and then, you know, learn about anger and then you start doing it all yourself. Grace and nature work together. What do I mean? We, we have human nature, an intellect to think with, and a will to choose with. And then we have what? We have grace. Grace influences the intellect, the will. Those are the two core faculties of the human soul, the intellect and the will. Think and choose, think and choose. The passions and emotions influence our thought process and our ability to choose the greater good. But grace comes from the Lord. Grace is the life of God in the soul. Grace comes from heaven. Jesus won grace. It's a gift. The word grace is actually defined as God's unmerited favor upon us. So we're given grace freely. He purchased from that cross grace for us. And grace is the nutrient. And in grace we have the the seven, to come against the seven capital toxins or sins, we have the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The giver of all grace is the Holy Spirit. These gifts of the Holy Spirit are nutrients that come against the deficiencies that we suffer spiritually and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And and we'll talk about each of those as we go through these Tuesday nights and how that particular uh, gift such as tonight would be piety. The gift of the Holy Spirit of piety is the nutrient that comes against the capital sin of anger. So I want to kind of lay that before you in John 10.10. What did Jesus say? I came that you might have... 
and have it to the fullest, right? To have it to the full. I came. This is why he's, he's saying it. I came, why? So that you and I might have life and have it to the full. Not just spiritually, but physically as well. God wants us to have the fullness of life, okay? And that might even mean God calls you to carry a cross in your body, such as say you have cancer. You could still live life to the full because you can unite to him on the cross, and we'll talk more about that as the evenings progress. But I want you to think about these things. These seven toxins keep us from life to the full. So God sent his son to die, to conquer sin, to conquer death, to reopen heaven, and the floodgates are open, and heaven rains down grace and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit to purify us, detoxify us, to empty from us. Just like those organs in the body remove toxins from the body, our soul, the Holy Spirit within us removes those toxins from our souls, okay? So... Those who are well don't need a physician. I'm assuming you're here tonight because you know you need a physician. You need the divine physician, right? We need Jesus, okay? So think about that. So if I told you, you know, if you think of the dashboard on your car, if your oil light comes on, what will you do? Put oil in your car. The oil light says your car is deficient, it's sick, it needs some oil, okay? What if you went to, you know, we, we, we go to the uh, uh, automotive dealer and say, hey, this light's coming on on my dash, and he goes, oh, don't worry about that, I fix them all the time, and he puts a piece of tape over and says, you're good to go. <laughs> well, I would say, you know, red flag, right, something's wrong. You definitely don't want to go to that dealer anymore, right? So the Lord's come not to put a piece of tape over our pride, our anger, our envy, our lust, our gluttony, our greed, our sloth. He's not come to cover it up and to just put something over it. He's come to get to the root cause. The, the dashboard light going off points to something deeper under the hood, that needs to be looked at so that the engine can run and function and that vehicle can reach its potential, okay? Same with us. We have an intellect to recognize and look at our dashboard, our souls, and be like, okay, there's some lights flashing on my dashboard. But some of us in, in the world we live in basically says, ah, let them flash, you know, don't worry about it, just keep going. And we get busy, don't we? And I'm sure many of you have heard this acronym for busy, right? B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. When you're so busy that you don't tend to the dashboard anymore and you wonder why you start spiraling downward, it's because you're not addressing what's going on under the hood. And this is what silence and solitude and prayer are. It's you pulling up to the mechanic the divine physician, Jesus. Think of that chapel as Jesus' garage. You're pulling in and saying, you know, here I am. And you let Jesus look under the hood and you let Jesus get in there and start doing what only Jesus can do. If I do it, it's like an untrained mechanic trying to fix a car. I pull wires and 
put wires there and try to make, you know, I put oil in the wrong place or the radiator fluid in the wrong place. You know, it's like, and not only that, but if you don't know what you're doing, it takes extra long, doesn't it? Did you ever try to fix a computer? It's another example. If you know nothing about computers and you really try to go in and figure out how to fix a computer or navigate through what needs to be done, if you don't know what you're doing, you call India, right? <laughs> you all know that, right? You call the phone, like some guy from India answers the phone. It's like, all right, whatever. But the point is, is you got to go to someone that knows what they're doing. And all of us are in big trouble if we try to do this detox on our own. It's all about relationship with him, okay? Back to the basics of our faith. Personal relationship, encounter with Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, okay? So think about that. When you're sitting here as you're reflecting, because as I'm speaking tonight, as the Holy Spirit's anointing my words, you'll hear things, and some of you will hear other things, but there are certain things you'll hear tonight that will capture your heart's interest. And that will draw you and invite you. And there's other things tonight that will repulse you. And I would say those are the two movements of the engine you want to pay attention to. The heart. You want to pay attention to what draws you in. That's a place where you want to sit in your prayer. And also what's turning you off or repulsive to you. That's a place of prayer as well. So it's, again, that's your dashboard light. So when you feel drawn to something I'm saying tonight, God's speaking to you. I want to talk about how do you enter a personal relationship? Pay attention to what's being said. Identify with your intellect where the light's flashing. Or, you know, check this out, check this out, look at this. And go there in your personal prayer time after these nights. You know, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, until next week. You have a whole week to reflect on how is anger operating in my life. And when you leave tonight, on the back table, there are uh, a bunch of um, examinations of conscience regarding just the sin of anger. So when you leave, you'll take those with you, and you'll reflect on them throughout the week. And you guaranteed want to come to the garage after you look at that. Because you're all going to find things that you need to look at more deeply. Please don't be afraid, because again, Jesus who wages war against sin in us, he loves us more than we love ourselves. And so he's gonna challenge us, he's gonna call us deeper, he's gonna come in if we let him, okay? So don't be afraid. So we want to enter into this bathing, this washing, this cleansing. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 9, I'm going to read to you a minute here. I have a few scriptures throughout the evening I'll read to you. Matthew, or sorry, Mark 16, 9. It's a real short passage. It says here, Now he rose... Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, this is the resurrection. When he rose, Jesus rose on the early the first day of the week, he appeared first to who? Mary Magdalene. From whom he cast out seven demons. He appeared first, not to Peter, not to James, John, the apostles, but to Mary Magdalene. 
this woman. And what did he do? It says he drove out of her seven demons. She was so grateful. She missed him so much. She couldn't live without him. And there's another scripture in another gospel where Mary clinged to Jesus. She clinged to him because she knew she couldn't stay toxic free without him. And so when God sets us free from a toxin like anger, there's no way for us to remain free from that toxin unless we cling to him, as we remain with him, as we are with him. So like Mary, he drove out these seven demons, okay? So he's wanting to remove those same seven demons from us, the seven capital sins that God wants to cure us from, okay? Now I want to look at a story in the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, if you want to look at that with me. 2 Kings chapter 5. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. <laughs> you guys got your Bibles? Some of you probably do. Bring your Bible next week. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 5. Listen, 2 Kings 5. This is the healing of Naaman. We hear this at Mass. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man and his and with his master in high favor, because of him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper, okay? When Elisha, we're going to verse 8 now. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent the king, saying to him, Why have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So basically, they, they wanted, he wants to be healed of his leprosy, and he's trying his best to figure out, how do I get rid of my leprosy? Okay? And so it says here, Elisha, the prophet, says to him, bring him to me. Elisha said, bring him to me. So what's Elisha say? So Naaman came with his horses and chariots at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Notice this number seven's coming up a lot. Seven capital sins, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, seven sacraments, seven uh, washing seven times, okay? So go wash seven times in the Jordan, he says, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But listen now to this. Naaman, who had the leprosy, Naaman was angry, He's angry. And he went away saying, behold. You could just hear him. Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper or the leprosy. Are not Abner and Farpar the rivers of Damascus way better than the waters of Israel or the Jordan River? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, or my, my Lord, if the prophet commanded you to do something, do some great thing, you would, would you not have done it? How much rather then, when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. 
That story, think about that. Naaman was angry. How many times do you want God to heal you like you want God to heal you? He was like, I thought for sure, like you're asking me to go to this stupid Jordan River and I want to go to these rivers and I thought for sure, you know, this big bad dude, Elisha the prophet would come out and, you know, like lightning bolts would flash and like smoke would move and there'd be like, you know, all this stuff happening and then he'd wave his arm over the place where I have leprosy and it would be gone. So he walked away in anger and said, he wants me to go bathe seven times. Basically saying, why can't I do it once? What's wrong with one time or two times, three times? Why do I have to go seven times and dip myself into this stupid Jordan River? We do the same thing. God comes to us and he says, I want to clean you, wash you from these capital sin of anger or every capital sin. I want to wash it from you. But you need to be obedient to me. So we want to be cleansed of anger. And so God puts people in our life that know how to stir up anger. Why are you doing it? I asked, I prayed, you, did, you, didn't, you, you didn't do it the way I told you to do it. I, I want my anger to go away. And you're putting this woman in my life or this guy in my life or this person in my life. My mother-in-law, this or my father-in-law, that. We get all angry and just like naming the leper. We have leprosy and God's like, hey, trust me, I'm working here. See, we're control freaks. We want to do it our way. We want to be cured of our sin our way. We want to tell Jesus, you had some great ideas 30 or 2,000 years ago, but I think I got a few I could share with you, Lord. Because <laughs> see, bottom line is, when you go to the doctor and he has to open that wound or he has to look at that, it hurts, it burns. How many of you have children that love to have peroxide poured on their wounds? None. How many have kids that, you know, you have to take to the doctors to get a shot and you got to hold them down because they scream, right? It's the whole point of he's the physician. We're the little kids. And he's like, you're here tonight because I want to lead you to like the, become the flesh of a little child. And so the heart, again, of God's desire for us tonight is holy communion with him so that we could commune with ourselves so then we could commune with others, okay? So again, that bathing seven times. So now we're gonna dive into, um, we're gonna dive into this capital sin of anger. So anger, in many ways, there's four, four kinds of levels to think about when you think about anger. So when we think of anger, first there's just the emotion. Any Italians here? <laughs> Okay, you could stand up probably. We could make some examples, right? So I lived in Rome for two years because I studied it in Rome for my, some of my theology. And I'll tell you, many of you, some of you probably been there. But, you know, I walked to school every day, like at least a mile and a half, every day to school and every day back. I walked to school every day. And you see these little, you know, the motorini, the little scooter deals, you know, weaving in and out. And... Not too often, but frequently you'll see them wreck. Either a bus will hit them or not kill them, but like they'll try to get around the bus and fall down. Or, you know, the, the Italians, like, you know, they always want to like, they, they just don't know how to sit still, right? But this whole idea of, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to do something. They're trying to weave in and out and get to where they need to be, just like us. And so 
they'll wreck. And then they'll like, the first time I saw it, and many of you might have heard this, but I mean, they will get up and they'll look at the person that ran into them or if two of them wrecked, they will scream at the top of their lungs at each other. And it's like, oh my gosh, like in America, if that happens, there's going to be, someone's going to die or there's going to be a fist fight or a brutal beating up of someone. But over there, they're just screaming and yelling, their faces all red and they're this and they're that. And you know how they use their hands and they're all over the place. They're screaming and yelling and then they just pick up their motor and they go, they take off. <laughs> it's like they get it out and then they're good. They go. So... My point is, is certain people just have more of a tendency to be more angry emotionally. They, they get stirred up quicker. They, they, they spit it out. They get it out real quick. And maybe you have a spouse like that or a family member, a friend. We all have times people like that. You know, some people hold it in more. Some people just let it explode. Some people, you don't know if they're angry or not. Um, but the point is, is there's that emotion. Anger in and of itself is not bad. That's why I should say it's the capital sin really is unholy anger. It's not anger itself. Being angry is not a sin. It's what I do with it. And we've all heard that, right? And so there's the emotion of anger. Now, the second level of anger would be anger that's regulated by reason. So it's anger that you're going to guide. It's an anger that you guide. It's not an anger that is, is unregulated. It's regulated anger. When Jesus flipped the tables in the temple... He was regulating his anger. That was a just anger. There's a just anger. You know, sometimes whacking your kid on the butt can be a just anger because sometimes they need a whack on the butt, right? Sometimes we all need a whack on the butt, if you will. But bottom line is we need to be disciplined. And anger, sometimes when it's, when it's guided by reason, it's not, that's not a sin either, okay? There's not a sin. There's reasons we are all angry at times, okay? The capital sin of anger the unholy anger is anger that oversteps reason. Anger that oversteps reason becomes toxic to our relationship with God and others. When anger leaves reason, then we start to do damage, okay? We start to destroy and do damage to others and to God and to ourselves, okay? Not only that, right? You have a stroke, your blood pressure goes up, you know, if you go, it's like a car overheating. It's like, you know, you better do something. You know, you need to, you know, realize that and take a deep breath. Okay, the fourth and worst stage of anger is hate. Hate can be very demonic. Hate is a hatred to, for God. Like, I can hate God and hate others. So hating other people or hating God, that's the worst level of anger. That's where people murder people, kill people you know, or, you know, just really lose it and to the point where it becomes viral, visceral hatred toward another brother or sister. And, and be mindful as I'm speaking tonight on, these, on this capital sin of anger. We're, face, we're FaceTime. I'm face, uh, Facebook Live in here too. So all the, this is, is going to obviously be on uh, Facebook as well so you can watch it or listen to it on the website. But... As I'm talking about this capital sin of anger, um, don't forget a lot of our anger toward others is because we have a lot of hate toward ourselves. We're not really aware often of how much self-hatred or self-rejection there's going on inside of us. 
We have a lot of that going on, okay? So emotion, anger regulated by reason, anger overstepping reason, and then a hatred, which would be the last and final stage. Okay, now anger has many faces. I'm just going to give you a few words to kind of think about this as you reflect. Feelings of being frustrated. Frustration is a form of anger, right? We don't often think about that, but frustration. Annoyed. Annoyed, when you're annoyed. So if you're frustrated or annoyed, there's anger there, okay? You got to be aware. Again, part of this is just recognizing the dashboard, recognizing the light. What am I going to do about it, right? Outraged. How many of you felt used? When we feel used, there's anger. If you feel used, there's anger in you, right? Repulsed, furious, resentful, um, irritated. And I'm irritated, right? Disappointed. That's a big one, I think. How many of us feel let down or disappointed? Did you know that's, again, it's building that volcano in us. What are we going to do about it? Again, and a lot of people will teach, right? I mean, even psychology teaches that sometimes repressed anger obviously eventually will become depression. When we repress our anger, it becomes depression. And a lot of the anger, and a lot of, not all cases of depression, but some, and I would say a good chunk of them would be maybe a combination of both, which would be a, a repressed anger, and I don't know the tools to use to get rid of my anger or to relate it to him, to share it with Jesus. Because see, we're ashamed that we're angry. I'm not supposed to, I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a Catholic, I'm, I'm not supposed to, why, I got all this anger. So we go into our holy hour, into our prayer, and we don't ever talk about it with Jesus. And then we wonder why it builds up in us, and it's like a pressure bomb. It's gonna explode at some point. So I would really encourage you, if you hear those words, exasperated, disappointed, if you feel uptight, and unhappiness is another term that can really determine someone's unhappy. There might be some anger that they're not dealing with inside, right? This is another good one, I think, is withdrawn. When we withdraw ourselves, there's anger in us, okay? This is a big one in our world today, cynicism, when we're cynical of others. You know what cynicism is? It doesn't believe good can happen. Cynicism at its root is everything people do is always a string attached. Like there's nothing that can be done just for good. But there's always a cynical approach to why we do what we do. Meaning we don't, you know, we, we get overwhelmed with all the media, all the news, and all this stuff on TV. And then what do we do? We don't believe there's good possible. But that's a bad thing because you know what it's saying is we're not good. Because if I'm not good, good's not possible. Because good comes from us. And so when we're cynical, be careful with cynicism. And it can come out in many ways, jokes, you know, demeaning uh, comments toward people or, or groups of people. Sadness is even a form of anger, sadness. Bitterness, sarcasm. We all, you know, have sarcasm at times. Stubbornness, unforgiveness, retaliation, impatience, uncharitableness. How about this? Always taking the opposite side no matter what. You always are on the other side. If they say that, if she said go that way, I'm going this way. It's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Right? Taking the opposite side all the time. There's anger there. Be aware of that. Okay? Um, not agreeing on anything. You can't agree on anything. It just, you're, you're always disagreeing. Holding grudges. 
Um, nitpicking. How about that, huh? Nitpicking is a form of anger. It's in us. We got nitpicking this, nitpicking this, all this stuff, right? Abusive words, insulting comments, again, nursing injuries, seeking revenge. Okay, now, in anger, there can be a spirit of contradiction. Someone's always contradicting, always contradicting, always contradicting, right? Rude, a rudeness. There's always a rudeness or a contradictory spirit. Fault-finding, always finding faults with everything. They can see nothing good. It's always finding a fault. There's anger in there. That's what's causing fault-finding, anger, nitpicking. The root is anger. There's anger in there, okay? Now, this is an important part of this. Now, that was kind of some anger more in our natural lives. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit, just to kind of name a few ways. We could be angry with God. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was, um, I was in the Intercessors of the Lamb for a while, when I was in a religious community for five years, and we would reflect on these capital sins in our spiritual journey, and I would have a lot more time in silence and prayer and solitude than I have now, but... One of the things I came to realize is I came to a point in my spiritual life, guys, where I was becoming aware that I was angry at God. And some, you might not understand that at this point, and that's okay. But all of us at some level have an anger at times toward him. I'm not allowed to be angry with God. I, I can't. How can you say you could be angry with God? But see, that's the problem right there. Love gives you permission to tell him, I'm angry with you right now, Lord. I'm frustrated with you. You know, like Therese of Avila when she fell off a horse in the mud. If that's how you treat all your friends, no wonder you don't have any that many. Remember? Therese of Avila told God that. She fell off the horse into the mud. And she said, God, it's no wonder you don't have that many friends if you treat us this way. We get angry with God. We get angry with people, but we also have some anger in us toward God. And We've repressed it. I'm not allowed to think that way. But when I was in this prayer time, in my, in my time as a religious brother, um, I really started to become more in touch with how angry I was with God. And I was like, you know, you think about it, like, well, you know, we're here, we're happy, we got a roof, we got clothes, we got shelter, we got... But there are things in our lives that aren't being dealt with that cause us to be angry with God. And, and I want you to think about, these are just a few questions you might ask yourselves that maybe may help you to kind of re realize that. And you tell God this in your prayer journal. So get your prayer journals out when you go home or wherever, and this is what you'd write. This is what I don't like. Tell God what you don't like. Tell him, like, Lord, I don't like this. I don't like it. I don't like this. This is, and see, I'm being honest with him. You want to please God, be honest with him. Don't pretend you're not angry when you are. Pretending is the antithesis of honesty. It's a lie. You're lying to yourself. We're lying, right? And the serpent loves when we just stay in that lie, okay? This is what I don't like. Or you might share, this is what I hate. What do you hate? You might be like, why would we focus on that? Trust me. Go to your journal and journal out what you don't like, what you hate. And you might not like what you see, but remember I told you, things that repulse you, it's important that you are honest with him in your personal walk and relationship. This is what I wish you would have done that you did not do. 
We all have those things. God, this is what I wish you would have did, but you didn't do it. Why? Talk to him about it. Tell him how it makes you feel. I can't understand why you allowed this to happen to me. See, you're going into your prayer. Why, this, why did you allow this to happen to me, Lord? Jesus loves those questions. Think of it like this. You, you got to be little. See, if you're, if, you're, if you're big and you're trying to be Mr. Pharisee or Mrs. Pharisee or Mrs. Sadducee or Mr. Sadducee, you walk around pretending everything's all good and, and then you never really are like a little child and sharing your heart freely with the Lord. So think about that. What does a little kid do when they're angry? They'll run up to mom and dad and say, I, I hate you. I don't want you. Why'd you do that to me? They'll pound on them and yell at them, kick and scream, and just throw a fit. That's why kids are healthy and we're not. Because they aren't afraid to express what's going on in them. Now, I'm not saying come outside your workplace and Get on the ground and start beating your hands. I'm not saying you just go nuts. I'm saying you come into your, you come into your prayer time, and, and this is what I do sometimes. Maybe, maybe some of you have done this. We'll, we'll do a little raise of hands. Maybe I'm the only weird person here. I don't know. I've gone in my car at times, and me and God had a nice, long, yelling conversation. Yelling in the top of my lungs at my car and screaming like, why is this happening? What's going on? And getting it out. How many have screamed in their car? Okay, see, good. I'm not alone. We need to express, relate, let go of. We need to have someone that we can trust that can receive what's going on in us. Anger becomes unholy when it's not related to God. Remember that. Anger becomes unholy and sinful when it's not communicated to God. So when you're angry at your husband or you're angry at your wife or you're angry at your boss or your coach or your teacher or your priest, whoever you're angry at, you gotta go to the Lord. You can't stuff it and pretend. You can't go around gossiping to everyone else. Gossip's a form of anger, too. It's just telling everybody. And we'll talk about that. To get through anger, there's stages of dying we have to go through. The first stage of dying is denial. We deny. We deny that we're angry. I'm not angry. I just need to talk to this person about this problem. I'm not angry. I just need to talk to this person. And the last week, I talked to 20 different people about my problem, but I'm not angry. Like, yeah, right. Tell me another one. Right? So we have to not deny, but feel the anger. Did you know the word? I took a, a class in, um, in Rome. It was by uh, a professor that was teaching the passions uh, by St. Thomas Aquinas. And the word passion, passio, the word passion, meaning anger, the passion of emotion of anger, comes from the word, you know, passio means to suffer. I suffer my anger. Anger is not a pleasant thing to feel, but we feel it and we got to do something with it. We have to do something with it. And what we as Christians do with it is we bring it to the cross. And we're going to talk about that as in, in a few moments here. We got to relate our anger to the Lord. Go to your journal 
and tell him, why did you allow this to happen to me? What's going on here? Why am I so tempted right now to, you know, gossip? And why am I so tempted to avoid this person or that person? What's going on in me? I need to relate that to the Lord, okay? Another question you might ask God, why did you give me these parents? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of humorous, but let's say you had, like, you know, if you, if you grew up in an abusive family, you could understand, like, let's say your mom and dad were seriously, you know, addicted to drugs or alcohol or dad was never there for you. Maybe your dad never, ever was there for you. And you could be really, that's why little kids start to form psychological and emotional issues because they don't know how to process, dad's never been there for me. My mom, you know, let's say, let's say a, a child found out that their mother wanted to abort them or something, and that's happened. You know, you all have heard, many of you probably heard the story of, uh, uh, um, what's her name, the African lady that um, speaks, that had her whole family slaughtered? Macaulay. Think of a Macaulay. If you never read her story or heard her story, you gotta check it out. Her whole family was slaughtered, and she forgave. I mean, it's powerful, okay? So you might ask God, why'd you give me these parents? And you might have never dealt with that yet. But it's still in there, kind of like a, a, a splinter, just in your heart. You know it's there, and you don't really want to go there. See, this is not fun stuff to enter into with God in prayer, so we usually just avoid it. And you know what I've been learning again since I've been doing this uh, body detox, this physical fasting, is I've learned that Things are starting to surface in me because I don't have my potato chips to run to. <laughs> Things are surfacing in me because I can't go eat my pizza or go eat my chicken wing or go eat whatever I want to eat, you know? And, and I'm like, man, I'm not hungry, but I feel like I need like a Cheez-It or something, you know? I need, some, I need a can of soda. I need something to kind of... It's like, you know how babies use pacifiers? We use potato chips or coffee or pizza. That's our pacifier, Okay. But I'd like you to think about the church's wisdom in causing us to fast is so that things that are in us that are toxic can surface. And then we can then use the tools we learn to relate them to the Lord, communicate them to the Lord, give them over to the Lord, okay? Another question. Um, why weren't you there when I needed you as a little child? You might ask that to God at times if you feel that in you. Again, feel, make, pay attention to what's resonating in your heart right now. Some of these things might not. Why was I adopted? Maybe you were adopted. Maybe that's a question in your heart. What do you, like, what's God going to say to you? And I could just hear the Lord in, you know, um, in my heart inviting you to maybe think about that if that's a question you have. Or why was I rejected? Maybe you feel rejected. Um, where were you when I had no one and you were, not, you were not there for me. Where were you? Okay? So these are just questions that you might find resonating in your heart about regarding anger, okay? So we, anger with others, anger with God. Don't be afraid to be brutally honest and just let the Lord hear your heart. Please don't. This isn't about, well, this is wrong. I shouldn't say this. Or this is, you know... Children do not have an edit function. 
If we start editing everything we pray, our prayer will become dead prayer. Emotionless, we will lose connection with ourselves and God. When we start to edit everything we say, we really start to lose our prayer lives. So this is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my journaling. Be raw, be brutally honest in your journal. There's something really special about going into that chapel or going into your place of prayer in your homes and just writing out brutally, honestly, what you really feel. And it might even scare you at times. And obviously that journal is something sacred between just you and God. But it's very important that you have that intimate place to talk to our Lord about that stuff, okay? Okay. Now, when we start operating in unholy anger, the capital sin, the evil spirit can feed that, okay? There are demons, and they can feed that unholy anger, with demonically empower it, okay? Some of the demons that do influence or empower this unholy anger is a spirit of hate, spirit of rage, spirit of blasphemy, a spirit of murder, spirit of violence, spirit of turbulence, a spirit of conflict, a spirit of death, spirit of hostility, spirit of destruction and division. How about the spirit of mockery? How many of us encounter this in ourselves or others where often there can be a repressed anger and the spirit of mockery will come on someone and there'll be a giddiness and a laughter that isn't appropriate in a certain moment in our lives. People can laugh when it's inappropriate or a giddiness. It's kind of like a mockery of something of the other person. That's, that's a spirit of mockery moving that's anger, okay? Unholy anger. Another one is a spirit of retaliation. The enemy's gonna retaliate. And we become, if we're in his camp, retaliatory as well. Um, a spirit, again, it could be a spirit of depression that takes hold of someone in a serious way. So now we're gonna move to, we talked about the toxin some. So I wanna move right now um, into the nutrient. Um, we're going to talk about the, the gift of piety. This is the first gift of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about tonight that will come against unholy anger. So we have the toxin, which is anger, and then we have the gift of piety, okay? So this gift of piety is a gift of the Holy Spirit that we've all received at baptism and confirmation, okay? So... This gift of piety is meant to obviously counteract this, this unholy anger. Now, what is the gift of piety? The gift of piety, it's a gift that lets us really know the Father, love the Father, to be able to call him Abba. What does a little boy or little girl say? Daddy, Mommy. The gift of piety, when it's operating in us, we run to Abba. We know that we're little that we're children, and we say, Abba, this is what happened to me. I'm so disappointed that so-and-so said this or did this to me. See, that's the gift of piety. I'm communicating my anger so that it doesn't become unholy and repressed and come out in ways that it shouldn't. So piety 
connects us with the Father. Again, back to relationship, okay? So this connection with the Father that we desire to always do, always do what's pleasing to him and whatever he asks of us, okay? Piety reaches out as a peacemaker to others. Someone that has the gift of piety is reaching out to try to make peace, okay? The gift of piety took Jesus to the cross and kept him there. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he took all of our unholy sin of anger. He nailed it with him on the cross. He took it into himself. Think of all that. Jesus took on all the sin. Like what you see up here is the physical suffering. We have no clue of how much interior turmoil he was experiencing. He was sweating blood, which is scientifically possible. He sweat blood because inside his sacred heart, there was so much sin he was suffering and taking on for us. It says in the Bible, he became sin. So piety took him to that cross and kept him on it. Why? Because he loves the Father. He'll do anything for his daddy. Jesus will do anything for dad because he loves his dad so much. He would never, ever not do what his dad asked him to do. And if his dad asked him to die for us, he's going to go and die for us. He did it because he loved his father. And so when we're angry, we got to pray, Holy Spirit, give me piety so that we can let Jesus in us go to the cross and stay there and stay there. And what did Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The root of all of our anger toward other people and God, you know what it is? Misunderstanding. All of our unholy anger toward God and others at its root is a misunderstanding. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the word from the cross that won you and I the power to forgive when our neighbor, our enemy, our family, friend, spouse, coach, teacher, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa hurt us. When I'm hurt and wounded, I should get angry. But healthy, holy anger, which is empowered by piety, takes me to the cross with him, in him, and through him. Where do you hear that word? Mass. Through him, with him, and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, almighty Father. Amen. Through him, with him, and in him, the power of the spirit of piety comes into me, and I'm brought mystically. Listen, guys, this is so important. Mystically, we are lifted up on that cross with him, in him, and through him. When you're hurt and pierced, you should be angry. Hate the sin, not the... Hate the sin, not the sinner. I can hate your philosophy. I can hate all of your behaviors, but I can't hate you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Listen to me. The demons cause us to sin when we agree with them. If I'm hurting you, 
there's demons influencing me. I don't need you to attack me. Nor if I see you hurting me, it doesn't help me to attack you. Attack the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan, Lucifer, the demons, the spirit of what I said, the spirit of hatred, rage, blasphemy, murder, violence, mockery. Attack the demons. How do we attack the demons? Pray, fast, give alms. How do we attack the demons? Be Jesus. Be who you are. Who are you? Jesus. Who are you? By grace, not by nature. There's one Jesus by nature. There's all of us are Jesus by grace. You have the power, one for you. When there's, listen to this. There's seven last words, and we're going to give one of those seven last words for every capital sin. And tonight's last word from the cross, that one for you, the power to forgive whoever hurt you and yourself. You've hurt yourselves. We've hurt ourselves. That last word from the cross is what? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What's the spirit that comes against anger? Piety. What is piety? It's an affection and a love that drives me to the cross, to stay on the cross and let Jesus through me give his forgiveness. Think about how intimate this is. Through my lips, I let Jesus speak to you. I forgive you. That's Jesus using my lips to forgive you. Look how, look how much holy communion I'm experiencing right now. If you, let's say you, you've hurt me and I have the Holy Spirit just letting him move in me and he's bringing me to that cross and he's gonna ask me to let Jesus use my lips and some of us be like, not gonna say it, not gonna say it. What did I say the root of all the sin is? Fear. What is the fear that keeps us from forgiving? I'm gonna be hurt again if I forgive you. I don't want to be hurt again. So I'm going to keep this wall of anger up to protect me from you. We need, listen, forgiveness is not human, guys. It's divine. You can't forgive unless you let Jesus in you do the forgiving. This takes the load off. It's so much more freeing to know, huh, I was trying to do this forgiving thing on myself. No wonder I'm such a mess. The Lord's like, hello, the whole reason I came is to enter into your life through the Holy Spirit, be born again in your bodies, in your minds, in your emotions, and then through you, let me live my mystery. Remember, Father Mark and I talk about this all the time, but we don't go to Mass and watch the priest up here. We are called to live the Mass. Live the Mass. You come here to lay your anger and everything down on the altar so that Jesus can do with your anger or your unholy anger, whatever your anger is, or, or whatever you're going through. You, he can deal with it in a way that only he can deal with it. See, this is moving us from the Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them yet. So it was eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But in the New Testament... 
Forgive your love your enemies, Jesus says. It's no longer eye for an eye, tooth or tooth. Some of you are like, darn it. <laughs> right? Now listen. Listen to what Peter said. Because this is new for the apostles. This is all new. Listen. Peter's like, Lord, when my brother wrongs me, how often must I forgive him? Seven times? He's like, man, I'm being pretty generous. Seven times, right? You know, I'm pretty generous, Lord. Seven times is pretty good, isn't it? Jesus says, no. Not seven times, but seven times 77 times. Meaning all the time. And Peter's like, it, it stumped Peter. Because think about why Peter asked that question? Peter didn't, he knew he had unforgiveness in his heart. He knew he had anger in his heart. He didn't know how to deal with it. And they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit. So think about this as we listen. So as we look at this now, the spirit of piety, listen. The gift of piety gives us the motive, the strength, and the direction to nail our anger to the cross. Why? What did I say we know it to the cross? Because it's not for myself. If, if, if I was, listen, if I was forgiving just for myself, it wouldn't be strong and good enough. If I'm just doing this for me, like I'm going to forgive just for me, it's not going to work. You know why? Because you're doing it just for yourself. It, you're not going to have enough strength. So what is it? It's not just for ourselves, because we'll cling and hold on to our anger if it's just about us. The gift of piety helps us to release our anger to God and empower it again with his piety, his spirit. Why? For the greater honor and glory of the Father and for the salvation of our soul and others, okay? Piety, it's a great gift that combats the capital sin of anger, okay? And we lay that sin to rest at Jesus on the cross. So again, our number one weapon against the capital sin of anger is the Holy Spirit gift of piety, which will bring us to the cross. So if you resist, when the Holy Spirit, see, this is why we don't experience a lot of God and the Holy Spirit. Because when God comes to us and says, okay, you want me to help you here? Ask for the gift of piety. And he starts to give us piety and he starts to lead us to the cross. And we're like, no way, Jose, I'm not going there. And he's like, well, I'll just wait. And then we go through some, see the, 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 the stages of death. The first was denial. The second is we start to experience our anger which is uncomfortable, but we need to do that in honesty. The third stage of, of dying is what? Bargaining. You know, Lord, I was right. That person was wrong, huh? And we want him to say, yeah, you were, you were right. That person was wrong. And, but the bottom line is, is none of that really matters. You've been hurt or they've been hurt. And you know what needs to happen now? You're stuck. So when you're stuck in that bargaining stage, you start to get depressed, you know why we get depressed in that bargaining stage? Because we know the only way out is let go and let God have his way. Not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. And you know what his will is when you call on piety? He's going to take you right up there and make you one with him on that crucifix. 
And it's not fun, is it? Forgiveness is a crucifixion. Remember that. When I say I forgive you, I'm crucifying my pride. I'm experiencing emotional, psychological, spiritual, even maybe physically. People even have, right? We can have, um, our bodies can even feel that at times. You know, forgiveness is a crucifixion. It's entering into communion with him on the cross. It's living the mass. Because what does he do from there? This is my body given up for you. He's giving himself to us. And he's not afraid. You know why? Because piety. Jesus loves daddy, his Abba, his father so much. So that's what's going to happen. When you call on the spirit, he's going to start moving in you. When you ask God to come, he will come. But when he comes, don't resist when he brings you up onto the cross and asks you to lend, his li- lend, you his, lend your lips to him. And let him speak through your heart, through your lips, I forgive you. Try this for yourself. When you, when you have your own prayer time, try forgiving yourself like this. Say it. Look yourself in the mirror and put yourself, you know, stand in front of the mirror like this in the form of a cross. And look at yourself in the eyes. Stay there for a few minutes. Just looking at yourself because we are, can be our worst enemy. And see Jesus in you suffering because you're not letting yourself receive forgiveness or you're holding a grudge against yourself. And say to yourself, I forgive you. And you're going to find in that power, there's power in that because in that moment, guess what's becoming flesh? The word. The word of God is becoming flesh through you, in you. And you're beginning to forgive. You're beginning to experience this deliverance from evil as we pray in the Our Father. Okay? Now, Jesus won that grace for us in those seven last words that he said on the cross. As I said, denial. We have to die to forgive. We have to go through the stage of getting over our denial, acknowledge our anger. And then after that, we go through some sort of a bargaining and saying, you know, how much was I wrong? How much was I Forget it. You're wrong. They're wrong. We're all wrong. We're all sinners. Misunderstanding. We did it all wrong. Wipe the slate. Let go and let God and be ready to be lifted up and speak the words through your heart and lips to whoever it is. And sometimes writing a letter is a helpful way to forgive yourself or others. That's just an encouraging thought for you. Okay? Now, why do we do all this? What's the whole point? The whole point is so that we can be happy, holy, healthy. And now, this is the part that I guess maybe we don't talk about as much, but... Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us, right? We say that. Guess where the lamb lives? In you and I. What's the mission of the lamb? Take away sin. When he takes my sin away, the more I let him take my sin away, guess what happens? The more I let God win territory in me with my anger, I can help you with your anger. I'm not saying counseling you necessarily, but here's what I'm talking about. And I talk about this off and on, and some of you have heard me talk about it. But when I, 
When I talk about the whole point of all this is deeper communion with the mission of Jesus. What's the mission of Jesus? That we all live the mass. It's through the mass we take away sin. And, and please, this is just a footnote. The mass is not a prayer service. The mass is not a service. The mass is the holy sacrifice of the Lamb of God. When you're at mass, you're not at a prayer service. You're at a sacrifice. You're at Calvary in an unbloody way. That's why we have this crucifix. It's a reminder that we are at Calvary and there is no resurrection without first you and I entering into his crucifixion. Why do Catholics have a Jesus on the cross? Because he did it once and for all, yes, so that we could enter into what he did and let him be born in us and live the same mystery. He must live in me. I must let him die through me by forgiving others. And I must let him rise through me. So you come to mass, lay it down on the altar. He takes it, joins it to himself, lifted up with us. In, when we're lifted up in him, and then he gives us his body and blood. Why do we do all this? Listen, when God brings you to a place where you've kind of gained some territory in your heart regarding how to deal with your anger, forgiving others, here's what happens sometimes in our spiritual lives, and we're not always aware of this, and this is why people um, kind of get stuck in their spiritual life. Because we're the body of Christ, because we're the body of Christ, if I'm angry, it affects you because we're one body. If I walk over here and smack my pinky toe on the side of the uh, pew, guess what? I feel it in my whole body, right? And I could say something I shouldn't, right? Remember, can anger bring it to the lord thank i i just a quick story but i i got food poisoning um when i was in chicago for ipf one time it's an institute for priestly formation i was doing some spiritual direction training up there and i got this food poisoning and you know you're not in your room you don't have your own space you kind of just not fun right y'all some of you might have had that right food poisoning is not fun but i'm throwing up you know and i'm like thank you lord for letting me experience this so that whoever is, you know, spiritually sick, whoever's not digesting your word well, I just offer this for them. Now, how is it possible that I could thank God for throwing up? Because the Holy Spirit in Father Michael, I let him operate in me and offer up through me the sacrifice. Yes, Lord, I accept this and I offer it for whoever out there is not, that's poisoned by the food of the world. Whoever's been sickened by the world and the devil and the flesh, those who are toxic with sin, I offer this throwing up this night of suffering for them, for their salvation and healing, okay? So you see how if I gain territory in dealing with my anger, I'm gonna be able to gain territory for others in dealing with their anger, so God might let me, you might wake up one day, maybe some of you have already experienced this at times, you might wake up one day feeling like just for no reason out of the blue, like super irritated. Like, 
what happened to me? Why am I so irritated? And what's maybe, this not always, but sometimes what's happening is in the spiritual realm, God's letting you carry someone else's anger. But as a Christian, what are you supposed to do with it? What's wrong with my life? Why am I irritated? Yesterday I had a great day. What's wrong? No, 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 no. What I do with it is this. This is my body given up for you. Thank you, Lord, for letting me feel this irritation because someone in the world needs grace right now and I'm willing to let you in my body live the mass so that someone could receive your body and grace somewhere else in the world. I don't need to know who. I don't need to know where. But thy will be done. Take this chalice, Lord, but not my will. Your will be done. And you'll be amazed of how much of the power of God just starts flowing through you when you do that kind of prayer. Because you know what you're doing at that moment? You're letting the Lamb of God continue his mission in your body by taking away the sins of the world through you. This is what all the great mystics and all the great saints did. They allowed God to continue to take away sin within and through their bodies. So, to close, I just leave you with the final scripture from John chapter 2, verse 5. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you.